Good morning, everyone. Hello. This is Reading with Finus. I am Finus. I'm reading Japanese myths. The story from Japanese myths that I'm reading is The Travelers of Two Frogs. Follow me at, at Everything's Just Fine on Instagram to see illustrations of mine. Hey, 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 try to read every day. If not, me, I have you. I will read for you on the everyday. I'm doing pretty good. It's been like, mm, I don't know, two weeks or so without one hiccup. So let's see if we can keep it going. I don't know if there's ever going to be a stop to reading with finest. You could always keep reading, right? There's always stories out there. Maybe I'll get busy with life and experiencing it. I mean, I guess I'm experiencing it now, but I'm sharing it with you. Maybe I'll get selfish and just keep it to myself. Give people flowers while they still can smell them is what I'm saying. Let's, let's start the story. The Travelers of Two Frogs. Long, long ago, in the good old days, before the hairy-faced and pale-cheeked men from over the sea of great peace, Pacific Ocean, came to Japan before the black coal smoke and snorting engine sac uh, scarred the white heroine from the rice fields, before black crows and fighting sparrows, which fear not man, perched on telegraph wires, or every a railway was thought of, there lived two frogs, one in a well in Kyoto, the other in a lotus pond in Osaka. Now, it is a common proverb in the land of the gods, Japan, that the frog in the well knows not the great ocean, and that Kyoto frog had so often heard this scornful sneer from the maids who came to draw out water with their long bamboo handle buckets that he resolved to travel abroad and see the world, and especially the Tai Kai, the great ocean. I'll go see it myself, said Mr. Frog, as he packed his wallet and wiped his spectacles. What? What this great ocean is that they talk about, I'll wager it isn't half as deep uh, or wide as, as well. Uh, where can I see the stars even at daylight? What? Yeah, the whale, he can see the stars at daylight. I was just making sure I was reading it correctly. <clears throat> now, the truth was, a recent earthquake had greatly reduced the depth of the whale, and the water was getting very shallow. Mr. Frog informed his family of his intentions. Mrs. Frog wept a great deal, but drying her eyes with her paper handkerchief, she declared she would count the hours on her fingers till he came back, and at every morning and evening meal would sit out his table with food on it, just as if he were to come home. She tied up a little lacquered box full of boiled rice and snails for his journey wrapped it around with a silk napkin and putting his extra clothes in a bundle swung it on his back trying it over his neck tying it over his neck he seized his staff and was ready to go sayonara 
which means goodbye, cried he, as uh, as with a tear in his eye he walked away. Sayonara, Oshadazunkan. Goodbye, walk slowly, croaked Miss Frog. The whole family of young frogs in a choir, and and the whole family. <clears throat> Two of the froggies were still babies. That is, they were yet polywogs with half an inch of a tail still on them, and of course were carried about by being strapped on the back of their older brothers. Mr. Frog, being now on land, out of his well, noticed that the other animals did not leap, but walked on their legs, and not wishing to be eccentric, he likewise began briskly walking upright on his hind legs or waddling on all four. Now it happened that about the same time the Os the Osaka father frog had become restless and dissatisfied with life on the edge of the lotus ditch. He made up his mind to cast the lion's cub into the valley. To cast the lion's cub into the valley. Why, that is tall talk for a frog, I must say, exclaims the reader. That's me. Oh, what do you mean? I must tell you that the Osaka frog was a philosopher. Right at the edge of his lotus pond was a monastery full of Buddhist monks who every day studied their scroll, sacred scrolls and droned over the books of Confucius to learn them by heart. Our frog had heard them so often that he could, in frog language, of course, repeat many of their wise sentences and intone responses to their evening prayers put up by the great idol Am Amade. Indeed, our frog had so often listened to their doubts their debts on tech, uh, texts for the classes, their debates on the texts from the classics that he had himself become a sage and a philosopher. That's cool. Yet, as the proverb says, the, the sage is not happy. Why not? In spite of a soft mud bank, plenty of green scum, stagnant water, and shady lotus leaves, a fat wife, and numerous family, in short, everything to make a frog happy, his forehead or rather gullet, was wrinkled with care from long pondering of knotty problems, such as the following. The monks often come down to the edge of the pond to look at the pink and white lotus. One summer day, as a little frog hardly out of his tadpole state, with a small fragment of tail still left, sat basking on a huge round leaf, one monk said to the other, Of what does that remind you? The babies of frogs will become but frogs, said one shaven pat, 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 laughing. What do you, what, what think you? The white lotus flower springs out of the blood, of the black mud, said the other solemnly as both walked away. Though the frog sitting nearby overheard them and began to philosophize. Huh. The babies of frogs will become but frogs, hey? But if mud becomes lotus, why shouldn't if a frog become a man? Why not? If my pet son should travel abroad and see the world, go to Coyote, for instance, 
Why shouldn't he be as wise as those shining headed men? I wonder. I shall try it. Anyhow, I'll send my son on a journey to Coyote. I'll cast the lion's cub into the valley. Send the pet son abroad in the world to see and study. At once, I'll deny myself for the, the sake of my offspring. Floomp, splash, sounded the water as a pair of webby feet disappeared. The lion's club was soon ready. After much parental advice and much console to beware of being gobbled up by long-legged storks and, tr and trod on by impolite men, trotted on by impolite men, and struck at by bad boys. Kio ni no inaka. Even the in the capital there are boars, said the father frog. Now it was it so happened that the old frog from Coyote uh, and the lion's cub from Osaka started each from his home at the same time. Nothing of importance occurred to either of them. Until, as luck would have it, they met on a hill near Hash Hashimoto, which is halfway between the two cities. Both were footsore and websore and were very tired, especially about the hips, on account of the unfrog-like manner of walking instead of hopping, as they had been used to. Ohio Gozaim. Gazamusu, or good morning, said the lion cub to the old frog as he fell on all fours and bowed his head to the ground three times, squinting up over his left eye to see if the other frog was paying equal dif uh, difference in return. He, Konichiya. Yes, good day, replied the coyote, uh, the coyote frog. O Tinka. Tenaka, Tinky. It's rather fine weather today, said the cub. He yo gunzis. Yes, it's very fine. Man, I am no, I am butchering this Japanese. So, uh, sorry, uh, replied the fellow. I am Gam Gamitro from uh, Osaka, the oldest son of Haiki Dono, Sensei, Sensu. No Kami, Lord Bullfrog, Prince of the Lotus Ditch. Your lordship must be weary with your journey. I am Kauri San of Idom Dizu, Sir Frog of the Whale in Kaut. I started out to see the great ocean from Osaka. But I declare it, my hips are so dreadfully tired that I believe that I'll give up my plan and content myself with a look from this hill. The truth must be owned that the old frog was not only on his hind legs, but also on his last legs. When he stood up to look at Osaka, while the cub was tired enough to believe anything, the old fellow, wiping his face, spoke up. Suppose we save ourselves the trouble of the journey. This hill is halfway between the two cities, and while see Osaka and the sea, you can get a good look at of Keo, capital of Ko, uh, capital or Kyoto. Happy thought, said the Osaka frog. Then both reared, reared themselves upon their hind legs, and stretching upon their 
toes, body to body and neck to neck, propped each each other up, rolled their goggles and looked steadily as they suppose on the places which they 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 each wish to see. Not everyone knows that a frog has eyes mounted in the in that part of his head which is in front when he is down on when he is down and back when he stands they are set like a compass on a gimbalous gim, gimbals long and steady they gaze until at last their toes began toes being tired they fell down on all fours i declare said the old yaza daddy osaka looks like Kaot, and as far and as for the great ocean those stupid maids talked about i don't see any at all unless they mean that strip of river that looks for all the world like the yodo i don't believe there is any great ocean as for my part said the cub i am satisfied that it's all fully to go further for coyote is as like osaka as one grain of rice is like another then he said to himself oh totosu san my father is a fool with all his philosophy thereupon both congratulated themselves upon the happy labor-saving expedite by which they had spared themselves a long journey much leg weariness and some danger. They departed after exchanging many compliments and dropping again into a frog's hop. They leaped back in half the time, the one to his well and the other to his pond. There each told the story of both cities looking exactly alike, thus demonstrating the folly of those foolish folks called men. As for the old gentleman in the lotus pond, he was so glad to get the cub back again that he never again tried to reason out the problems of philosophy. And so to this day, the frog in the well knows not of and believes not in the great ocean. Still, do the babies of frogs become but frogs? Still, is it vain to teach the reptile philosophy? For all such labor is like pouring water in a frog's face. Still out of the black mud springs the glorious white lotus in celestial purity, unfolding its stainless petals to the smiling heavens, the emblem of life and writ and resurrection. And that is the end of that story. That was a long one. I'm sorry, guys. I lost the voice midway through because of all the mispronouncing. I don't think it takes so much, uh, you know, failure on my end that I had to be like, I'm not going to do bad voices and mispronounce things. But hey, we, we got through it. Um, thank you for listening. My favorite thing uh, is that they they both wised up. They both uh, they're from they're from smart stock because they were just like, all right, I've seen enough. Everything's the same. All these humans just you know adding like details and extra shit to to land. It just don't make sense. The land's all the same. You know, there's a family here, there's a family there. They're just all romanticizing stuff. They're pretty dramatic, those two-legged people. And I don't know why they're not so tired walking on all, working on two legs instead of four. My hips are killing me. Uh, that makes me think that I should be work, walking on all four a lot more. Save on some hips. Some save on my years of hip use. Um, thank you for listening to Reading with Finest. I'll be back here tomorrow to read to you again. Today's the day. Go out and do something.
while your knees and hips are still feeling good. All right. Do 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 do.